right, all you good, wonderful citizens of Crypt Nation, welcome back. It's another high-caliber, high-powered episode here of the Crypto 101 Podcast. I'm Bryce, joined, as always, by my buddy, my notorious compadre, Mr. Brendan Veeman. Uh, Brendan, checking in. How are things going, sir? Hey, we are doing great over here, Bryce. And I don't know if you noticed, but I'm wearing a different shirt today. Off with the red. The red (laughs) is behind us. And yeah, I'm you, you have been wearing a lot of red uh, as you're color coordinating with the market, but we do see a little bit of bounce here, so so that's fun. Uh, you know, recording this here dead dead middle of uh, of December, and, and we're joined by an amazing guest. Um, th- this is going to be a really exciting conversation um, with Tom Kaiser, who's the co-founder of Gas.Zip. Um, and, and we're going to bring Tom in in just a, a real quick second. It was a, actually an introduction um, from a from a close personal friend, actually. And I'm like, I didn't even realize you worked for Tom. I've been following Tom on Twitter. I've been following his story. Big poker player turned DeFi trader. Um, so this is going to be an incredible conversation. Tom, thanks for joining us. We're, we're excited to have you. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah. So so let's let's kind of just take a step back before we dive into um, you know DeFi trading. You know all these crazy crypto things. You're building a, a bridge. We're going to talk about what that is. I, I want to talk about poker. Um, in fact, I just won my poker my little boys' night here. Poker on Thursday, won a hundred bucks. Uh, took go. everybody all there in. No, uh, it was pretty fun. But I'm not a whiz or anything like that. But everybody says the best poker players always end up becoming good traders. Where's the overlap there? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's a it's a big game of calculated risk, right? And um, I think I think poker and particularly crypto trading, uh, and I guess trading in general, have some overlap in that uh, you have like these two variables of like people that like to win. But not only do they like to win, they like to see somebody else lose. And they like to like see like my winning is like your suffering nearly. Um, but granted, like, you know, poker is like a very, you know, it's a it's a giant game of calculated risk. And uh, I think it, you know, that in a kind of broad stroke overlaps very much with kind of the trading and, you know, speculative risk world, um, along with like you have to be willing to like stomach and accept risk. Um, you know, like every decision you make in poker for the most part is kind of a well-calculated, you know, what, what do I have? What do I think someone else has? What's out there? What else could come out? How much money do I need to pay to, you know, to, to see the next card or how much do I have to bet to make him see the next card? Um, so I think there's just a high overlap at essentially people that, you know, are willing and, you know, excited to essentially accept risk into some of their decision-making. And then the element of, you know, uh, I think, a lot of people like the the not only do I win, but uh, somebody else across the table loses, <laughs> uh, which is you know very similar to kind of out in the streets, uh, you know, particularly if you're trading some of this crypto stuff, right? Yeah, no, it, it's incredible. I, I love that overlap, and it's really, you know, I think it's you know poker players and traders both embrace the fact that life is about probabilistic outcomes. There's nothing deterministic, really. You know, if you're an engineer, maybe you want to have deterministic findings, right? I want to make sure if I, you know, tighten this screw and put this, you know, thing here, the plane's going to fly and it's going to always fly. I don't want to say, oh, yeah, 80% of the time it's going to fly. But guys like us, yeah. traders, um, you know, we, we realize, you know, life is, is all about the probabilities and trying to find the edge and play the probability is, um, is where the real money is made. Um, being able to tolerate that risk, but but then how'd you find crypto? How, how'd you go from you know being in Vegas, 
I think I even saw you, you were on the World Series of Poker. Um, did somebody kind of come up to you and say like, hey, have you heard of Bitcoin or, or did you have to use it? What was the story there? No, actually, so um, I learned about Bitcoin a long time ago. Um, I was, I want to say, 18 or 19. Um, I was in my first year of college. And much like many other people's origin stories, um, I wanted to buy a fake ID online. Not drugs, uh, <laughs> a fake ID. You know, I was Statute 18 in college. Has right? now passed. Yeah, you know, so, uh, you know, we, we, wanted, we wanted to go drinking at the bars, right? So, um, you know, and the guy that we ended up finding that could produce these online was like, okay, you know, you need to send us $200 in Bitcoin. Um, and I didn't know, you know, much about it at all at the time. And I ended up buying two or $400 of Bitcoin with local Bitcoins at the time. Um, I was in Boston at school and I went and met this guy at Northwestern or Northeastern University at the cafeteria. He didn't really know what any of this was. I didn't really know. And, um, you know, I bought a little bit of Bitcoin and, um, I bought my fake ID and everything worked out great. Right. Um, but I bought like $400 worth and I took the other 200 and I loaded it into BTCE at the time which was a very sketchy Russian, like, like, you know, shit coin exchange type thing. Yeah. The FBI um, shut them down. Lose, I remember like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I proceeded to lose it all in like 12 hours trying to trade peer coin. And I explicitly remember this and being like, Oh, okay. Like the account's zero now. Um, but <laughs> I ended up, you know, uh, kind of, you know, reading much more about like, what is this? Right. And I got involved in like, uh, I was, I was heavy on like bitcointalk.org um, and our Bitcoin at the time, our Bitcoin was like a huge thing, the, the subreddit. Um, and I ended up spending most of my year learning and playing with Bitcoin related things much more so than school. Um, and the summer after my freshman year, I, I essentially went on an angel list and uh, I, I more generally startup related. I went and I moved to New York for a summer and I ran around New York and interviewed for like every potential startup job that would ever give me an interview. And like 98% of them, I was like absolutely not qualified to even be in the room for. And the interviews went like so. Um, but I essentially ran around for quite some time trying to find anybody that wanted to give me some sort of a job in a startup world. And um, I found one guy in, uh, he was in Palo Alto. And he had just raised like $400,000 in like an open pitch night at like a Sequoia pitch event. Um, and he's like, I don't really know what I want to build yet, but I want to build something with Bitcoin and crypto. Um, and I convinced him to give me like a marketing job. I was like head of marketing. Um, and I, I moved out there, you know, that was probably like 10 years ago. Um, and I, we did that for two or three years. It was, um, we made a crowdfunding platform. We were doing essentially crowd sales uh, for tokens. And it was on Counterparty, which was like the Bitcoin token issuance oh, protocol. Yeah, XCP. Yeah. So we did some some old school. Like, and like, you know, we do a crowd sale and it would raise like $200,000 and everyone would be like, oh my God, like you did it. Like, holy shit. crap, $200,000 in a crowd sale. That's so much We're money, gonna right? Die. <laughs> I know. Well, in hindsight, you look at it too and I'm like, damn, you know, like. Two hundred thousand dollars in Bitcoin is was was a lot of bitcoins back then too, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I did that for a bit, and um, I stayed around San Francisco, and I worked with a couple other you know smaller Bitcoin startups in the meantime, and then um, in like two thousand sixteen, I joined uh, Augur, which was a decentralized betting protocol on Ethereum, um, and I, I spent Joey and the better part of 
Yep. Yep. So I spent the better part of like seven and a half, eight years there until quite recently, about, you know, a year and a half, two years ago. Um, and then, uh, we wound down, uh, the forecast foundation and, uh, I got together with a couple of friends of mine and, um, we started, uh, the company is called Size, uh, and we were we were going to build actually like this on-chain auction protocol, which we have built. And uh, but we along the way started, you know, doing kind of some of these little side projects that were as we saw things pop up as like a need in the industry. Um, and gas was one of them. Um, you know, a lot of these L2s started popping up everywhere, and people were having a you know difficulty getting there and et cetera. And so we built gas as kind of a small side project, but it ended up getting you know some actual traction and users. And um, so you know we have an ability to to grow that out now, and that's kind of our primary team focus at this point. That's awesome. And and it sounds like um, and correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like you're not a coder. Um, but you are kind of, um, you're the, the team leader, is that right? Or, or have you been uh, building this uh, with code as well? Yeah, no, I mean, we have, uh, I have a, we have a team of like, you know, th- three or four, you know, very good engineers. Um, you know, I'm, I, I consider myself quite technical. However, I would never trust myself to write like production software, uh, <laughs> particularly not smart contracts. Uh, absolutely not. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I've, I, I understood, you know, I can, I can, I can make my way around with these guys and, you know, uh, conceptually I'm very technical and I mean, I'm, I'm very much, a, I use all this stuff too, like every day mm-hmm. I have for years. So, you know, I've used, I use all the apps, I do all the things like, you know, I can, so I can get down and in there, but I definitely don't trust myself to write like production software. No, not by any means. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, it's awesome because it sounds like, you know, you guys were building, um, you know, a really cool DeFi platform um, and, and kind of just hacking together a bunch of things that would make your guys' life easier. And you kind of stumbled upon uh, maybe gold, yeah, right? right? With, with, with what you guys are building at gas.zip. Um, and you realize there's, there's a huge issue um, to be solved. And so, um, I want to I want to know about kind of that experience. What was that specific issue that you guys were building for, and and how does Gas Zip kind of solve that? Yeah, I mean, I guess like so, like earlier this year, right? Um, you started seeing kind of the adoption and usage of um, not only like alt chains. You know, and like there's a bunch of different terms for these, right? So like we always kind of had like alt chains, what people perceived as, which like, you know, maybe last cycle was kind of like the the EOSs and the 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 AVAX or the, you know, like somebody else who kind of like rolled their own version of a chain and like it wasn't really interoperable. It was the only real way to get money over there for the most part was like withdrawing from a centralized exchange. Um, there was really no right. bridges across between these things. Um, and then this cycle, we're starting to see, you know, things like, like rollups, like, um, like actual stronger L2s that have like ties to the base chain and things that have native bridges built in and things like that. Um, and about a couple months ago, I think, you know, six or seven months ago, you started seeing the kind of user flow to a lot of these chains really pick up. And now a lot of it was, I do think, you know, some level of organic interest. People wanted to play around with these chains and, and see what was happening over there. Um, I also think a lot of it was at the time fueled by the idea of kind of airdrop farming um, with a lot of people. You know, they wanted to kind of go use the new blockchain to get some uh, you know existing user history on there for, you know, potential future type things. Um, but granted, like, I mean, it was like every week and still kind of today you're seeing it just about every week. There's a new L2 or new alt chain or a roll up or somebody that launches something. Right. Yeah. Um, and we still don't have a great way of essentially transacting value across these chains. Right. Um, and there's still a huge problem in that in that, you know, we have bridges today. Um 
And none of them really, with some kind of you know nuance to it, really have a actually trustless or decentralized mechanism for transferring value across these two chains here. Uh, for the most part, everybody kind of uses some level of a centralized oracle sitting in between this bridge somewhere that is more or less validating a transaction on one chain so that value can be remitted on another chain. And these two chains have no native way of speaking, right? Um, so I initially got interested in it because, I mean, I spent a lot of time with Augur. We were, you know, half of what Augur was, was really a, a decentralized oracle. Um, so kind of this whole problem of how do you, you know, transmit information that may not be native on a chain into a chain like in a secure manner where you can trust that this information has, you know, some level of credibility behind it. Um, and that got me kind of interested in looking at like the bridging problem, right? And now gas as is today doesn't necessarily solve the the decentralized bridging problem. But my kind of take with going with it was uh, we have a clear, you know, e even with the bridges that existed um, at the time and even still today, you go to a lot of these bridges and like maybe they'll bridge to like 10 chains maybe some have like 15. Um, and like, if you want to like really go to some of these new ones that are launching, it's more or less kind of like a, like a venture on Google and Twitter to try to find which bridge supports this thing today. Um, so my initial yeah. take with it was, I would really love a bridge somewhere that literally just has everything, right? Yeah, where the people have done the work to find these new chains yeah. and literally done everything. Um, so that's what I try to keep gas as today is like, if you want to get to a chain, there's a very good likelihood we support it. I think we're at like 100-ish chains today. Um, and I want to continue to, you know, grow that list. Um, and, you know, it's we we kind of focused initially on this vertical of gas, right? Where it was like, um, when you start doing a bridge, if you want to do large value now, um, you have a whole new kind of spectrum of technical and security concerns that arise with that. Um, both from a security element, you have like now like much bigger liquidity pools on all of these chains supporting these things. And if something goes wrong, there's much more value at risk. Um, and uh, additionally, you know, the liquidity itself. Um, you know, if you have 100 chains and you want to support people bridging, you know, some level of uncapped number across all of them, uh, getting liquidity and keeping liquidity topped off on all these chains is, is really, you know, a, a difficult problem in and of itself. Um, so we decided that like, you know, for the vast majority of people using this stuff, they're not really bridging $10,000, $5,000. They kind of want to bridge like $100 and like play around with the chain a little bit. And that's like what a, right. a large portion of users going across doing this stuff today are really doing until the chain really starts getting adoption and really picking up. So we Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Focused on this kind of idea of like, this is like a gas station. You can come here. We can support a huge array of chains. We can do it fast. We can do it quick. We can do it without kind of concern for security or um, liquidity issues. Um, and we can make it so that when a new L2 launches, 
If you want to get over there with 50 bucks or 100 bucks and start playing around and you want to mint the NFT, the launch NFT, or you want to, you know, sling $20 into some AMM pool, you know, we have the liquidity immediately and we can do it very fast and very cheap and et cetera. Um, and that was, you know, it, it stumbled from, I tried going to a lot of these chains and I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm, I'm using like crazy websites of things I've never seen before. Half of them work, half of them don't work. Um, I've come to find out that a lot of bridges on the internet um, are not in fact bridges. Um, I like to call them cliffs where, um, you know, you think it's a bridge over, but actually it just falls right off and your money goes into the abyss and you never see it again. Um, why? I don't know. Um, but I probably have a couple of ether out there now at this point that has fallen off a cliff, you know, a lot of these bridges. Um, well, so that was kind of the goal was just like build a, you know, small in scope bridge uh, to initially yeah. build a user base here of a lot of the new stuff people want to use and keep it on the kind of forward edge of when a new, like if a new chain launches, we have a pretty good, you know, overview of the space. So it's like, as soon as a new chain launches, I try to get it in there within, you know, a couple of hours more or less. Um, so it's always yeah. available for somebody to be there. And, you know, with the goal of, you know, building this out over time into a world where other people can come be liquidity providers for the bridge. Um, you can begin upping these limits. Um, and I think there's a couple people out there that are working on some, some very cool approaches to actually decentralizing the bridge problem. And, um, I think, you know, hopefully within the next year or so, um, we have some very viable solutions to actually building a, a really, a, a trustless and decentralized bridge. Yeah. And I like this approach to it, right? You, you see this complexity issue that we have seen kind of like all across the board, uh, of crypto really since inception. And as the crypto industry has matured, we have seen all of these complexity issues, all these barriers to entry slowly get removed. And I think that's really one of the driving factors in the space is that as we remove these barriers uh, of entry and these different complexity you know, topics that we have, and I think for a long time, bridging was one of those. I guarantee you there's a listener out there that has said, oh, I, I've needed to bridge at some point in the past, or I've wanted to, or I've looked into it, but you know whether they just couldn't figure it out, or it went over their head, or there was all these you know, maybe security risks. There's probably right. been someone that's actually listening to this podcast that has skipped on bridging for those exact reasons. And so you kind of saw the issue there. You saw that you know, essentially the entire bridging side of things when it comes to crypto could be made not only easier, but like better and safer. And why have to go through five different bridges for five different assets when you could kind of have this all-in-one solution, right? So I guess this kind of like brings me to, you know, my, my main point here of like, why do crypto fees exist in the first place? And like, why do we need gas? It's a good question. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, so and I mean, you're, you're seeing different approaches of this today, right? So I guess, you know, at a high level, these chains that have gas fees, right, are the kind of stated purpose for, uh, you know, how the space in a block or the space in uh, each of these, you know, networks is allocated, right? And that uh, essentially, you know, and I guess at a high level, an easy way to say it is that, you know, gas fees are kind of like a anti-sybil mechanism for the chain, right? And you can imagine that if there was no gas fees, right, I could kind of run some script on my computer and I could fill up your blockchain for very little to no cost, right? So that's it's kind like of like- anti-spam you know, measure is maybe the, the right way yeah. to think about it, would you say? Yeah, sense, and then maybe. and then it scales to essentially being, uh, you know, on on most blockchains at least, it scales to being the method in which 
the space in a block is valued, meaning when the block space is in higher demand, it will now cost more to get your transaction included in that block. And that's done through essentially increasing of gas prices, right? And you see this on Ethereum much more so than other people than other chains today, right? Um, and you have different approaches to this, right? And this is like a highly controversial topic in crypto, like particularly with Solana today, right? Because Solana is very cheap gas prices, right? Now, like a highly controversial opinion of that is like, you know, that Solana's gas fees are like, like, like uh, uh, subsidized and they are, they are, you know, unfairly cheap, you know, as like the joke, right? Is that like that the people aren't paying the fair cost for what that block space is, right? And that in the long run, you have X, Y, and Z issues because of this, right? But essentially every kind of blockchain is trying to address this in a in their own kind of somewhat different manner. But, you know, at a high level, it's more just, you know, uh, gas fees are really used to prioritize uh, who gets access to the block space, right? Um, and you're actually seeing this very strongly now in um, the Bitcoin community. Um, and a lot of the core <laughs> Bitcoiners are you know, very upset, right. essentially, that people are willing to pay uh, astronomical uh, you know, uh, transaction fees to inscribe their pictures into the blockchain. Um, and the core Bitcoiners are very upset about this, some of them, right? Um, but you know, that's kind of the what way- What are your thoughts on it? I mean, I'm, I'm like at like the, the true of my heart, I'm like a decentralization, like maximalist. So my, like my, like, like my actual approach and, you know, opinion on it is like, if somebody is willing to purchase this block space, it's theirs. And like you in that, like people that, that contribute to this network don't necessarily, or shouldn't have a right or, uh, some, you know, methodology of saying that my, that these transactions are not worthwhile or valuable and they shouldn't be included right if you want to take this kind of very decentralized decentralized maximalist maxi approach it's like if somebody is willing to pay to put that transaction into the chain it's a valid transaction regardless of if you think it's spam if you think it's worthless if you think it's an attack or etc as long as somebody is paying the value to get it included it should be considered a valid transaction right and in the long run actually I think this is probably great for Bitcoin because, you know, kind of the one lingering issue for Bitcoin for quite some time was will transaction fees eventually accumulate enough to be a sufficient subsidy for the uh, the block reward, you know, over time. Right. Right. And, mm. you know, are, are instructions yeah. like today the thing that are going to like pay for block rewards 80 years from now? Like probably not. I don't know. <laughs> but like it at least proves and is showing you know, and is illustrating that, hey, the people are creative enough and the people are, you know, interested in this stuff enough that they can find that there will be new ways, new things will be found to, to be, to essentially anchor into or use a blockchain for, mm-hmm. and for maybe on, you know, reasons you could never expect these things will like be valuable, right? Like, you know, people, they didn't expect these inscriptions to like be a valuable thing, but come to find out people are willing to pay astronomical amounts of money to like get them included. Right. So it actually makes me much more bullish on Bitcoin than I have been in the, in the, in the past few years. It's like, Oh wow. People have finally figured out how to do, how to use this technology for something more than just remitting value. Right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it goes to show the resilience of the crypto space. And we were talking about it earlier and how the crypto space is just always evolving. You know, fast forward to maybe even like five years ago, people would have never thought as this uh, kind of as a solution. And here we are, like the crypto space is ever evolving. We're always coming up with increasingly more unique ideas 
And this is just another great example of that. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, you know, markets are, are living organisms in a sense. And, and why is that? Because it prices are people. Everything, you know, the only reason why a price goes up or down is because there's a, there's a person on the other side and there's a difference of opinions. And, and so, it, you know, it really is, uh, you know, this crypto market's evolving what feels like at the speed of light. Um, but I, I want to know, like, when you, when you think, you know, you kind of game things out, um, you know, five years from, the, from now, um, are, are you still thinking like, you know, we're going to get size markets, uh, we're going to get that off the ground, we're going to focus there? Um, or, or do you think gas um, is going to have the, you know, sort of the biggest impact um, on DeFi broadly? And, and like, that's where you're going to spend all your time? Yeah, I mean, at the moment, um, we're focusing our we're focusing our time on gas. And I think, you know, the approach there is to essentially try to further build out this kind of uh, interchain communication, right? And like, you could like, like, like the dominant player, I guess, in this world today really is kind of like the layer zero, right? Layer zero has built like a actually pretty resilient and decentralized protocol for you know, transmitting a bunch of these messages across all these chains everywhere, right? Um, however, you know, there's like a couple, there's the, the one that's more interesting to me right now from like a mechanism point is um, a cross protocol, which was made by the uh, the UMA, the universal market, whatever the, they, they did like prediction markets and a bunch of these kind of like event contract type things. Um, but essentially they do, they've built a bridge um, and the across bridge today is the cheapest and the fastest bridge to do like real value across today. Like you can do, you know, m multiple eats, real, real value, real money. Right. Um, and they've done it in a properly kind of decentralized way to some extent where they use the UMA on chain human Oracle to essentially validate relayer transactions, like in a batch to one hour period. Um, but they're the first people that have really built something that approaches it from, uh, the perspective of we want the Oracle and the validation of these transactions to be done in a decentralized manner. Um, and I think that's like a very good step towards the way that these bridges need to ultimately be built. Um, and I don't know what the kind of glory answer is today for it. Um, but I think my thesis is kind of that. Um, I don't think bridging is going away. Um, I don't think alt chains and these L2s and you know the development and support of them are going away. Um, if not, I mean, I think, I think they're only going to, I think that market vastly grows in the coming, you know, couple of years. Um, and with that, I think, you know, the, 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 the technology behind how bridges and cross chain communication works today is still very early and nascent. Um, and we have a couple, we have some good solutions. We have a bunch of good people working on it. Um, but it feels like a very, the you know, ripe opportunity to me uh, in terms of just like the kind of the, the tech side of it to work on what is a really difficult problem. Um, and not only do you have to solve the difficult problem, but then you also kind of have to pack it up and put it into a, into a, into a product or a box yeah. that can then be used by the traditional average, you know, crypto participant. Right. Um, and I really like that kind of, you know, view of a, of a, of a problem to solve. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, will build stuff and either focus just on the really hard technical problem. But then once they solve the really hard technical problem, it's hard for them to get it into the hands of users. Um, I feel like we felt that we, we saw that one a little bit firsthand with Augur, I would like to think, um, you know, mm -hmm. we, we solved this kind of very technical, difficult problem, but then it was very hard with the product that we built to get it into the hands of the average user. 
Um, and then you have some people that, you know, abstract away a lot of the technical stuff and build a very simple user product that gets really good adoption, right? But it kind of worked its way backwards from it being like a good technical solution, right? It's you kind of you kind of implement the bad technical solution initially, get the users, get the adoption, get it into the hands of the people, and then make the technical solution better over time, right? And I think there's some middle ground in between there that is the that where a lot of these bridges are kind of directing and, and going in that direction of. Um, but I think it's one of the it will be one of the biggest. You know, not only business opportunities, I think, but, you know, both technical and from an impact of the average user that's going to use crypto in the long run. Um, I don't think this is going away. I think this is a, a product and a problem that is going to persist, if not get even worse with the fragmentation and more and more and more and more chains. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, I think working and trying to solve the problem of how do you actually connect 500 different EVM blockchains in the most secure, simple, easy to use type fashion, right? Um, and gas isn't, you know, necessarily any three of those today, but I would like to think it's, you know, at least the first starting step into that direction. And, you know, with us, you know, working and thinking on that problem. Um, and I think, you know, it takes some time, but I think ultimately there will be pretty good opportunity for most people working kind of in this, in this uh, sector of, of, you know, infrastructure, I would say. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned a bunch of different like projects and verticals, and there's so many different aspects when it really comes to the crypto space. Yeah. And it's awesome, you know, for all three of us being around for so long. It's so cool that there are all these different verticals now. And so I'm kind of curious, you know, from your perspective, have you come across maybe a favorite crypto or a favorite chain or NFT community or something like that that has really stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, like, like, so like deep down, I'm like, I'm like very much an Ethereum maximalist. If anyone like tries to argue with me on stuff, like I go back to my roots, which is like, I think Ethereum wins in the long run, everything's great about it, et cetera, <laughs> et cetera, right? Um, which has been a, a much more controversial opinion in the you know, last recent months than it ever has been before, right? Um, but in terms of like kind of recent stuff, um, the thing that I've seen from kind of a more technical POV that has been interesting and exciting, and I've been seeing a level of adoption I didn't necessarily expect was um, kind of these optimistic roll-ups, which is like these roll-up, you know, fork-esques of optimism. Um, and it kind of, it goes back to this old theory that people used to have in crypto, which were these ideas of uh, an app chain. People used to talk about these app chains, right? Like application right. chain. And that if yeah. your application demanded the throughput required, you know, essentially you should roll your own blockchain and you should have a chain specific to your application. And until kind of recently, that's like a very big technical feat to like accomplish and a lot of overhead and maintenance and this, and it really wasn't worth it for much of anybody to do it. Right. Um, but today with the kind of these like OP rollups that exist out there, um, you're starting to see applications deploy on their own app chains. And I think that is one of the biggest like product UX improvements that we're going to end up seeing for if you want like a, an actually on-chain product. Um, the one example I really like is, um, I think it's pronounced AVO, AVO, um, yeah, AEVO, AEVO is the, the, the decentralized uh, perps and then options exchange, right? Um, I mean, that's like built on an optimistic rollup. And like, it surprised me because I went to go use it and I got money in there and I did everything. And then all of a sudden at the end of it, I realized, holy crap, 
I'm on a different blockchain. I'm on like the AVO, like OP rollup. I didn't even realize it. Like the flow was so good in the UX that like, I didn't realize I had like deposited and bridged some to some alternative chain. Right. Um, But it's, but then you can use the order book and like, it's fast, it's quick. You know, there's no, there's no really no fees on the transactions. Um, You know, that stuff, like it, it really makes a difference from kind of building like a truly decentralized end user product. Right. Um, so I, I really, I really think that's like the direction that a lot of these apps that actually succeed and thrive on chain will inevitably go. Um, so from like a technical POV, that's what I find like, you know, interesting and exciting right now. Um, and then kind of from like a community POV, like, I mean, I've like always been the first to be like, you know, I, I have some, you know, controversial opinions about the Solana chain, right? Um, <laughs> but God damn it, in the last, what? six weeks eight weeks it's been crazy they haven't been they haven't banded together a group of the like i don't even know how to describe what's going on what's going on over there right now like it's just absolute chaos and it's in like if you really get in the streets and get down in the trenches out there like my lord it is it is but i mean it's degenerate (laughs) yeah but there's tons and tons thousands of you know retail and average users over there that are onboarding with phantom you know, making a swap on one of these exchanges, using one of these deck screener websites to like look at the price. Like, you know, you kind of need this level of excitement and like quote unquote degeneracy to, you know, help adopt and bring these people in right now, right? Yeah. Particularly in a in a time of when it's not really like a peak bull market and it's like kind of things are kind of trending up right now. You need these types of uh things to occur and happen, right? Like and like last cycle, that might have been like NFTs, right? Like mm-hmm. NFTs really were the thing, I think, for a part of the last cycle that brought a new group of people in and introduced them to MetaMask for the first time, you know, got them to buy Ether on Coinbase for the mm-hmm. first time and would draw it out. And like today, like maybe it's like people buying Bonk on Solana. Like, I don't know. That's what it kind of like looks like and feels like at least in the last couple of weeks, right? Yeah. So for as much as I, I you know, hate and, sh- you know, say negative things about Solana on Twitter occasionally, <laughs> um, you know, it, I think it's proving to be a extremely valuable like user onboarding and awareness kind of campaign what's going on right now um with a lot of this stuff and uh you know the guys that are out there kind of kind of pushing it and helping these people you know that's that's like that's like what we need to to help you know get further awareness and this is what starts it all right you know it's one little thing starts people get in you know, people make some money here, people lose some money there, it flows to the next thing. And it's like, as long as the there's still velocity of the money in the industry, right? That's really what you're looking for to kind of kickstart the fire of whatever's going to happen next is get people excited about something again. And I think like the last year and a half, like it was very hard to get excited about okay. anything. I would just wake up and just be like, oh man, it's just, it's just dreadful out here on the streets. Everyone's miserable. Everyone's losing money. <laughs> Nobody's work on anything cool. Yeah. And like today it's like you wake up again and you're like, oh, there's exciting things happening again. And like, you're excited to check your timeline and your chats and see what's going on. Right. So yeah. um, Completely I think that's one of the vibe. Yeah. It's an entirely different vibe today than it was even, you know, even four months ago, five months ago, really, you know, when it kind of first started picking up, but yeah. Um, it's yeah, like very um, all kind of like shaken off that that sort of chilling effect that you know the the chaos of summer and fall of 2022 brought where there was just 
very clearly just too much leverage and, and fraud, flat out fraud in the market. Um, that collapsed. Everybody like basically like if I wasn't running a crypto podcast and a crypto hedge fund, I might have even been like, all right, well, shit, like this is going to be a, you know, a long ways. But, you know, I'm I'm all in. So I stuck through it through the bear market. You get to see everything. And then now that the bear, the, the bull market is is kind of peeking its head back around, um, you know, you do feel vindicated for, for really staying in the game. Um, yeah, I, I did want to ask you about Solana because I have seen you like, you know, tweet about Solana. Yeah. And I always get a little laugh about it and stuff. But I, yeah. I think some of it is a little bit of just like tongue in cheek. You know, I could kind of read that. It is, like, right? Yeah. You know, like, you, like you get it. You like, like you're kind of all my commentary. It's like, like maybe like 60% of it is kind of like tongue in cheek joke while like on it, like maybe 30 to 40% underlying is like, you know, truth. And like my Ethereum maximalist comes out. Right. But yeah. uh, no, it's all relatively said in, in good faith. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I was actually going to ask, cause I noticed when I was playing around with gas.zip, um, you guys don't support Solana. And I'm curious, yeah. um, I, I know you mentioned uh, currently in its form, it's only EVM. So Ethereum virtual machine, sort of compatible chains. Um, do you guys have plans to like, um, you know, expand beyond that? Yeah, absolutely. It was, it's, that's, that's really just a product of like, uh, a, of technical differences at this point. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's been a, a couple months we've been really working on gas in the last month and a half we were, we've been working on, um, we just launched, a, it looks like an identical version of gas, um, but it's built, it's, it's, it's done on layer zero. Um, so you can bridge to all of these chains with layer zero transactions now for the people that would like to use layer zero. Right. Um, so we spent the last like month and a half building that one. Um, but like the Solana's, the, the Cosmos is, uh, you know, like the stark net of the world. Um, I, we will eventually and inevitably just support all these things. It's just when it, when it comes to EVM chains, like it's because everything is so, I mean, they're all just kind of like forks of each other, right? So the the network requests are the same, the RPCs are the same, the 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 configs are the same. Like we can essentially drop in an EVM chain with like little to no work. Um, so we spent quite some time scavenging the internet, essentially just trying to find all of these EVM supported chains that have any drip of activity. But um, yeah, the next kind of plan of attack is to go after some of these, you know, the Solanas, oh, Cosmos too. Uh, Cosmos is seeing a, a kind of maybe a little revival of user interest and stuff, but it's just, you know, they have different address styles. They have different RPC calls. They have like, you have to kind of re-architect your backend to, you know, make sense of what's going on over there. But um, we'll definitely support it at some point. I love it. Um, and then kind of, you know, uh, you know, moving, moving past um, gas.zip and moving past bridging, um, I do want to get your, your thoughts, your market outlook. I think everybody, you know, in the audience right now, um, they're, they're always eager to, to hear the words of wisdom or hear sort of the outlook of people who've been in the market, who are, who are smart, who are builders, but also have seen booms and bust already in crypto. Like, you know, you've seen, you've been here for 10 years, you've seen all sorts of different shit. Um, so we, we just kind of want to hear like, you know, what is your sort of market outlook for 2024? Is that kind of informed by any sort of strong, like anchors? Like, oh, I'm, you know, my, my bullish or bearish thesis is anchored in this or you know how are you kind of viewing things yeah you know um i would like to, so like when i like working in crypto for many years i was kind of sold this idea and a lot of like early guys will sell you this idea right um of like that that this stuff should 
and will be like decoupled from the real world eventually, right? Um, and that like eventually like Bitcoin will decouple itself from the traditional market. And thus like you shouldn't necessarily like view the traditional market as a signal for like where this stuff is going, right? Um, and I think it's taken me like two boom and bust cycles to really realize like I think that's a load of crap. And like mm-hmm. at least for the time being, like the crypto markets still very heavily rely on, you know, what is happening in the real world. Uh, because ultimately at the end of the day, everybody is real people they need real money in the real world right so like we haven't had this great decoupling event yet right um so i think we're still very dependent on what happens in the real world right particularly kind of the the u.s economy um and i think you know it's showing signs of recovery or you know positive outlook um you know from the kind of traditional markets um from the kind of traditional um you know uh uh, regulations and 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 stuff and like i think we got a lot of like like existential crises out of the way and okay. like we dealt with we, we we dealt with the with the with the punishment of that right you know we got we got the ftx collapse out of the way we got the 3ac collapse out of the way you know we got the we got the binance indictment out of the way like they right. like I feel like sometimes we like forget to like zoom out and look and be like, oh, wow, we went through a lot of really bad stuff. And like, but it's like, it's, it's done now. And like, sure, you have to deal with the outfall of that for some point. Right. But we kind of have for like the last year and like, you kind of forget about it. Right. So I think like, ultimately, like, I don't see any like major, like existential crises, like in our, in our rear view mirror. Right. Like, like Binance, everyone always knew at some point, like, you know, they didn't necessarily know that like CZ was going to get indicted, right? But everyone kind of knew like, hmm, Binance. Something I don't know if that's the most there. like up and up thing and like what's going on. Everyone had questions, right? right? And like, that's like, that's like written off now, right? And like, there's nobody really like that currently existing as strongly as the others. So I think, you know, we've gotten a lot of bad stuff out of the way. Um, it looks like in the real world, you know, the markets are you know, phasing up and, you know, there's some optimism on the timelines and, you know, of, of, of what's going on here. And I mean, and like overall, like, I mean, maybe we're not in a bull market right now per se. Right. But like, I mean, Bitcoin's still 40K now. Like we're like, like sometimes I'd like also like forget to zoom out and just look at these prices and be like, oh, wow. Like yeah. actually like things are really good right now to some extent. Yeah. Right. I mean, even, like, even Solana, you zoom out and look at that. Right. And you're like, oh, wow. That like, I mean, that was that was nine dollars a couple months ago, right? Like yeah. a lot of these things have had have had a ride and had a rip, right? Um, so, like, I mean, generally speaking, short of I think some like real world developments that are unforeseen at this point, like occurring, like mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think we're more in an I think we're definitely much more in a upward tra- tra- upward trajectory for the next year or two than we are a downward one. Whereas, if you ask yeah. me this you know, nine months ago, Mm -hmm. I'd be like, "Eh," you know, I think we're still kind of, you know, on a downward slope right now. Right. Um, but like, again, like, I mean, I, I, I'm like a, like a kind of a casual trader, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily sit and study the markets 24 seven, like, you know, a lot of these other people do and such. Um, and again, I'm like, I'm like very long term on this stuff too. Right. So like, it's nice if I can like, get some trades off, you know, in the good market cycles and, you know, get some good trades and make some money. But like overall, my thesis is like, you know, is holding Bitcoin and Ethereum going to like provide me generational wealth like 35 years from now? And like, that's my kind of thesis. And that's what I'm bullish on, right? Is like, 
get a stash of it, hold on to it. And it's like, by the time my kids are grown up or my kids have kids or whatever, like you're yeah. like Bitcoin is going to like, you know, put them, allow them to like go on a spaceship and like visit the ISS. Like, you know, it's like an astronomical <laughs> amount of money. Um, so, you know, I think like I that pieces of mine changed. Right. But I do think, I mean, at least with what's going on right now, I mean, it's, it's a fun and interesting time in the market again. Right. Like people are back, money's flowing around, people are experimenting. Yeah. Um, I think we need some, you know, we're start, we're going to start seeing like the new games be invented. And that's what I'm really interested in and looking forward to. Um, you know, we kind of saw that with like the prior DeFi summer, right? Like even just like yield farming, you know, it's kind of like a new yeah. spin-off game. And it's like, so I'm, that's like the next thing I'm looking out for is like, when do we start seeing the new games be invented? Like something more than just, you know, we're betting on meme coins going up and down, right? Like who is going to invent the next kind of, you know, maybe primitive. I don't know if that's maybe right restaking it, with eigenlayer. That might be a big one. Um, I know. Point yeah. Like, and like, I, I think eventually someone's going to come and like, take that and like slightly gamify it. Right. And like, make it like accessible to like the average, like, like crypto D five, like player. And then all of a sudden you have like a new board game for people to play. And that's what starts, you know, getting the money flowing, getting people excited, getting people back, right? Mm-hmm. Getting people back into the, I think there's still a lot of people who were around two years ago left when all this chaos started happening last year, and they're just starting to kind of trickle their way back in, right? So like whatever it takes to kind of bring these people back. And I think you're starting to see it with some stuff here and there, but I'm mainly looking out for like, when does it feel like we have invented new board games for people to come and play? And when that happens, that's when I think it's going to get really exciting. And, you know, we're kind of there. We're seeing some of the stuff, but I'm still waiting to be like, when's like the like actual DeFi summer moment? <laughs> like maybe it's hard to identify that in real time, um, but I'm going to try to at least, you know, um, I didn't identify it last year in real time. Uh, but in hindsight, you can see it, right? In hindsight, you can look back and see like, Always. oh, the Wi-Fi, the yams, the the all this stuff. The occurred. sushi like, farming. That was the... The sushi, yeah, sushi swap, like these were pivotal, like new games that happened. And like it got a whole new, you know, user base and liquidity flow. Uh, you had you had venture funds and and hedge funds, you know, throwing hundreds of millions of dollars on chain into these yield farms. Like it was crazy. Um, <laughs> because they invented the new game for people to play. And people were yeah. still figuring out the games, right? It was kind of yeah. hard to figure out well, what's actually occurring here. Like, is it is it just the Ponzi? Is there something else going on? Like, you had to, like, figure out the game a little bit and stuff. Um, but, yeah, that's what I'm, like, excited for and looking for from kind of a, a retail and market perspective. Yeah, well, I think you're right. I think that there is a lot of people coming back to the crypto space. And crypto is really entering into a new era here. Uh, you know, you talked about how crypto went through... The- all this stuff during the bear market, it weeded out so many of the bad players. And not only was it able to survive that, but it was able to come out of that, getting the biggest names in banking yeah. and finance backing it and interested. And now we have the JP Morgans, the Black Rocks, the Fidelities that are all interested in playing this game that you are talking about. And we're still figuring out like, you know, what exactly is this game going to be? But I think the most important piece of this puzzle is that those big names are interested and they have trillions of dollars behind them. So I guess, you know, as a parting word of wisdom, you know, is there anything that you would want to be able to share to someone that is a new crypto trader? You know, like we said, there's going to be new people coming into this. We want to make sure that we set them off on the right track. Mm. Is there any like wisdom that you can kind of bestow on them from your experience? Uh, 
Yeah. I mean, I guess the only thing I really say to like, if I have new friends that like come in and they're like, I want to like trade or I want to like take risk or I want to do some of this stuff is, you know, maybe it feels a bit like a, like a dad preaching. Right. But in reality, what it really is, is like, you're going to go online and you're going to see like crazy things and astronomical things. Like at the example this week is the kid that posted like the $13 million PL on the bonk trade. Right. You know, like you're going to see that as like a retail person, right. Or the average person. And like, I think the number one thing I wish somebody bashed into my skull a bit more when I was younger was like, be careful with your risk. And, and number one priority of it all is like, don't go bust. Mm-hmm. Like at whatever you do, never have yourself fully at risk because like you, you, you like, know, you come in and you're like, oh, these things are extremely volatile. These things are like extremely, you know, risk on, like you understand there's some level of risk, right? But like, until you really get cleaned out, do you not understand like what, like how quickly and how that can impact you and how that actually occurs and happens, right? So like a lot of people will try to like psyop you into the like, you know, shove your entire net worth into the 100x margin trade and like get the $13 million PL bonk, right? But like, that's like not, that's like not the way I don't, I don't think. And I think more often than not, very, very much more, much more so often than not, you will just go bust trying to chase these kind of dream examples that you'll see on Twitter Mm. and these people talking to you about, right? Um, And the number one thing I found like to be successful and to fall into the, the right parts of these crypto, like new things that are launching, particularly in an exciting like time and sector is to just legitimately and like earnestly and honestly go and experiment and use the new products and things that launch. And if you do that in a very kind of, you know, uh, organic like manner that will, you'll end up being in the right place at the right time. You'll end up holding the right coin. You'll end up getting, you know, whatever it is. The right people that I found. Yeah. The people that I found that that have made it the best way is that, you know, they didn't try to game it. They didn't try to extremely over leverage themselves. They showed up with the stack that they had and they tried to kind of organically and naturally understand what was happening here, use the new things, experiment the new things, be on the cutting edge of the new stuff that's happening and experiment and try it. And, you know, whether it's you'll you actually have your money in the right protocol at the right time or whatnot, even just the knowledge that you'll get from actually being on the kind of cutting edge of, you know, the the new AMM swap on the new chain and like knowing this type of stuff, right? You will, you will, that will pay off like absolutely tenfold. And you do that with like find a core group of like friends on the internet that do the same stuff as you and are in the same kind of lane as you with that. You all get into like a chat group and you just kind of experiment and and you know swim your way throughout all the new things that are occurring like that's like the best way i found people to survive and make it right um and i've seen a lot of people think you know oh i see all these crazy things i'm just gonna go load like you know ten thousand dollars into my bybit account and you know buy buy bonk on 37x leverage and you know they wake up the next morning and it's all gone right and they're like oh my god like now what do i do like it's zero and you get a very bad kind of mo like like an overview of like crypto when you do that too and it's like you're not actually doing it right the best thing is is really get in there and like use these things and become part of an ecosystem or a community out there um find the good things sort through it participate and like be an honest and good kind of organic user of these things and like things will fall into place particularly if we're in a bull market like you'll make it absolutely 
No, I love it. I think that's an incredible, incredible word. And and also, I mean, just you know, kind of to your point. I mean, when you when, you know, people are always so quick to compare themselves uh, to to other people, right? Oh man, like you know, how how's this guy making so much money, and here I am, you know, hardly making any, or the coin I'm in isn't moving. Everything else is moving. You'll be you'll be tempted to to chase the pump and and sell the dump, which is not what you want to do. And so, yeah, I mean, I'll I'll just piggyback off what you said and. You know the things you see on the internet um, aren't always reality, and so some guy could have yeah. just you know screenshotted and and edited a portfolio to make it look like it he's rich. Or, <laughs> crazy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No. Just. Just. I've always found like find what lane you're good at and just like stick with that. You know, and like don't you're 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 going to see the most insane shit if you like actually get into this, right? And you're going to see people do crazy things and like that doesn't mean you need to like copy these people or try to replicate what they're doing right if you just survive and stick around long enough like quite literally money will fall into your wallet (laughs) like that's exactly what happens like money will just fall into your wallet just survive and and you know save and save your stack to like see another day and use the new things and you know be around and just get educated on all this stuff and and you know things just fall into your lap and the stars eventually end up aligning right there's so much opportunity here like you don't need to hit every single thing by any means you just need to stick around long enough for it to kind of line up for you yeah i don't know why i have this thought right now but um it's like kind of the idea of like, you know, you might see this guy who's being really successful online and and you're like jealous or whatever, but like the story's still unfolding. Like he's using those bad leverage practices and he got really rich once, but like he could very well lose it the next day. So so in the words of, uh, I forget what her, Natasha Bedenfield, like the rest is still unwritten, right? Like you don't know the future. And so, you know, just, just stay in your lane, be humble. Don't chase pumps, no leverage. And, uh, You'll, you'll be, you'll make it. Just, 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 just be careful out there and you'll make it right. Yeah. You know, um, but just, just stick around and I think you use the new things and you'll be good to go. And like, if you're, if you're out there and you're on the kind of cutting edge of the new things that are being released and you're just using them and learning about them and getting smarter about them and, you know, actually reading what they do and understanding it, like you're going to end up being light years ahead of most of other people who participate in this stuff with you. And that eventually pays off. Right. And I think the best place, not to uh, not to shill too hard, but uh, the best place to get started on exploring all those new chains is going to be gas.zip. So everybody, uh, hope yeah, you guys enjoyed. Go. Everybody ha- has to go to www.gas.zip uh, and check out all the amazing things that Tom and his team are building um, and, and bridge over to some of these new chains. Experiment. Have fun. Uh, and let us know how you guys feel about it. Um, Tom, where can people follow you guys on Twitter and uh, any other uh, last words for us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Twitter, we're, uh, we're gas.zip with dot spelled out. So G-A-S-D-O-T-Z-I-P. Um, and we post just like, you know, new chains and, you know, new things to do on those chains to kind of experiment to play around with. Um, so you can come find us there. Uh, we have a discord as well. You can come in and talk with kind of the other people that are using this type of stuff and et cetera. But, um, yeah, you know, anyone's ever got questions or want to chat, uh, feel free to reach out. We're, we're all terminally online. So (laughs) message any one of us and, you know, you'll get a response pretty quickly. Don't worry. Incredible. Uh, well, Mr. Tom Kaiser, founder, uh, or sorry, co-founder of Gas, uh, thank you so much for, for joining us. And we hope to have you back on again soon um, with more updates, more exciting things to talk about. And uh, 
hopefully in the middle of just a raging bull market. But until next hopefully. time, hopefully. one can only hope. Take care. I appreciate it, guys. Out. Thanks for having me. Great. Peace. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.